Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Patricia LZ Tuttle, and book lovers come read with me. This is episode number 332 and a half, and today I'm going to talk about a couple backlist titles that I'm excited to share with you. Hi, everyone. My wife and I recently had a little vacation up the California coast. Of course, I had planned on doing so much reading, but lately I've been having a really hard time focusing when I read. I mean, a lot of us are having a hard time focusing on anything because of the pandemic, and honestly, the last five years for many of us. So I've been trying to be easy on myself because it's perfectly common to lack focus and motivation lately. Instead of reading during my vacation, I just did a lot of sitting and staring at the water off the back deck. Lots of fishes and jellyfish and birds just kind of gave my brain a break. And when we got home after five days of vacation and not reading, I found it so much easier to dive into books again. I guess the moral of this story is that it's okay and healthy to take breaks, even from things you love. Speaking of things I love, today's books are so freaking good. Before I get to my backlist book picks, let's hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid-back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be, right? Right, girl, like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelin. Shu Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shu Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shu Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. 
But the Duke's motives become increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. For my first pick today, I have Legend Born by Tracy Dion. I want to say up front that this is the first in a series, and this book is the only one out so far. The central theme is Arthurian legend, and while Arthurian legend is not my jam, I loved this book. Content warning, the book immediately starts with our main character's mother's death. More content warnings for lots of racism. Our protagonist is Bree Matthews. She and her best friend Alice are attending the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill early college program. Bree is black and Alice is Taiwanese American and they saw this program as the best way for two girls from marginalized backgrounds to get out of their small rural North Carolina town. Bree's mom was a scientist and attended UNC, and it's always been a dream of Bree's to go, though her mom didn't like the idea for reasons unbeknownst to Bree. During their first night on campus, Bree and Alice find themselves at the traditional and illegal first-year student cliff jumping at Enoquari. Alice is very upset that they are breaking rules and breaking trespassing laws on their first night on campus. Brie feels compelled to do the jump against everyone's best judgment. She doesn't, but the draw is really strong. We learned that Brie has basically swallowed her grief over her mother's death. Zero processing. Anytime anything that even remotely looks like an emotion bubbles up, Brie just crams it down and locks it away. It's especially difficult when people express their condolences and ask how she's doing. At the quarry, things take a turn. They get super weird and magical and frightening. After witnessing a little too much, Bree runs away and is arrested by a cop along with Alice, who takes them back to campus. The next morning, the dean's office calls and wants to see both Alice and Bree. They're not kicked out, but they are both assigned peer mentors which are second-year early college program students who have apparently made better choices. Bree's peer mentor is Nick Davis. He's trying to be friendly, walk her back to her dorm, etc., when things get weird and magical and terrifying again. Bree stumbles upon some large, glowing, absolutely frightening creature. It tries to attack, but Nick jumps between her and the monster and tells her to run. There's a fight, Bree passes out, and wakes up in one of the giant stately homes off campus. I guess Nick brought her there to their healer. Nick is part of a secret society. He is what is called Legendborn, a direct descendant of King Arthur and his round table. They assume that Bree must be one of them because she saw the hellhound and normal people can't see these monsters. Meanwhile, Bree has close to no idea what is going on, but everyone else there thinks she knows more than she's letting on. Once Bree knows this little bit, though, she cannot unknow it. And maybe because she can see the monsters, she does have more of a connection than she realizes. So she plans on infiltrating this secret society. 
There is so much in this book. Different kinds of magics, lots of monsters, both the human kind and the fantastical, black girl magic, of course, and tons of fun. It's Legend Born by Tracy Dion. For my second pick today, I have The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. I have been waiting a whole year to share this book with you, and I am so, so excited because though it came out almost exactly a year ago, it is perhaps one of my most favorite books I have ever read. The book begins. There's no such thing as witches, but there used to be. The first few pages give us the setup of the world we're in, late 1800s United States. There were witches at one time, for a long time, but then there were purges and plagues, and witching is all but gone. It still survives a bit, mostly among women who are in the working class, maybe to make sure that a shirt doesn't get any wrinkles, or maybe to calm a baby from crying. That kind of witching, while not necessarily legal, is allowed to fly under the radar. It's just domestic witching, not the troublemaking kind. Yes, this is a story about witching. It's also a story about three sisters, and it's also a story about so much more. We begin by meeting the first sister, James Juniper Eastwood, aka June. She is the youngest and arrives in New Salem on the spring equinox of 1893. She is no stranger to witching, having learned from her grandmother who she called Mama Mags. June is wild and impulsive and sassy and straightforward. She has no time for fools and she has no time for indecision. One of her legs is permanently injured and so she has a limp and uses a walking stick, but she is in no way to be underestimated. When June gets off the train, she has no idea where she's going. She does know that she's not sticking around the train station where there are wanted posters with her face on them reading... Miss James Juniper Eastwood, 17 years of age, wanted for murder and suspected witchcraft. There seems to be some kind of rally going on, maybe for women's suffrage, in St. George's Square, so she heads that way. Agnes Amaranth Eastwood is the middle sister. She's strong and strong-willed. She works as a mill girl, and she is also in New Salem. She doesn't necessarily get along with the other mill girls, and when we meet her, she's not feeling very well. She too eventually finds herself pulled to St. George's Square. The last sister, the eldest sister, is Beatrice Belladonna Eastwood. She is frequently lost in books, which makes sense when we learn she works at the Salem College Library. She is wise and endlessly curious, perhaps a little too curious, as she is keeping a small journal of little rhymes and spells and notes about witching that she has found in her illicit research of witchcraft which is purely academic, of course. She stumbles upon the beginning of a spell, and she says it out loud. Nothing happens at first, but she too feels pulled to St. George's Square, and she's also compelled to continue muttering that partial spell that she found. In the square, it looks like perhaps the partial spell did do something, though incomplete. All hell breaks loose, of course, because witching makes people terrified, and people also think that witching doesn't exist anymore. Beatrice, Agnes, and June find each other in the square after years of estrangement, and this is where our story really begins. 
Everything I've just mentioned is only in the first 25 to 30 pages of the book or so. This book is over 500 pages long. There is so much story and it's beautiful and exciting and creepy and lovely. There were at least a couple of times in the book where I thought like, okay, it could end here, but then there are still hundreds of pages left. And I was like, where is this going? What is going on? I love this book so, so much. It's the perfect October read. It's The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. That's it for me this week, book lovers. Thank you so much to our sponsor. A special thank you to my totally awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com, and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com backslash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com backslash all the books. Remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers find us. And a big thank you to those of you who already have. If you want to talk about books or nerdy stuff or check in on my shenanigans, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Infofile, as in The Lover of Information, spelled T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. In the meantime, have a safe weekend, drink some water, and happy reading. Bye.